Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Did you know that Kinda Dating Now has merch? Yep, we collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases, and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is how our trauma manifests. Let's do this. Hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel. You're listening to Kinda Dating. So... We say this all the time, but I'm starting to realize that some of you are not doing it, which is, please tell your friends to subscribe to this podcast wherever they get it, because that's how we grow, which is word of mouth. And also leave us a five-star rating or review. Um, I love all of your messages and please keep messaging me, but also copy and paste those messages and put them in uh, the Apple Podcasts rating system, because uh, the more five-star ratings we get the better we grow. Um, and again, please, please, please tell your friends. We're also uh, on social media. We're at Kinda Dating across the board. Aisha is not here today. Um, she's started a new gig, so she might not be here as much in general. I guess that means you're just stuck with me. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, for your loss, no. Uh, she is our, my better half, of course, but she will join us whenever she can, and I will try to hold down the fort in the meantime. Um, I'm also on social media. I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, and whoever the fuck is using Facebook, God bless you. I'm Natasha Chandel official there. Um, I'm so excited to have a, a really good friend on the show. Um, he's actor, comedian, producer of the short film, The Invisible Brown man, Prithay Shah. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? What's up? How are you? I said your name like really Indian. You, but you know what? It's nice. Instead of hearing it, Pratash. Hi, Pratash. I love how all across social media, you have a different symbol in between your name. Oh, you couldn't get the same one? You had no, I couldn't. I literally, it's, like a, it's a joke on the podcast where I'm everybody's complicated friend. Yeah, you are. Like you definitely person. are. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. And I'm like, I kind of, I get really annoyed because the people who have my name don't use any of the accounts. I'm like, fuck you. I actually, that happened to me once too. And I actually messaged a guy say, hey man, you haven't been active for 10 years. Do you mind if I take that? No response. Yeah, of course. No response. No, they're, no not response. they're not active on it. Exactly. <laughs> they're literally like. You and you, you are the most complicated friend. You're the person you can joke with. And then the next moment you'll feel something deeply in my cry. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh, guys. But then she always tells stories of how I cry. I was like, oh, let's catch up. She'll be like, do you can't believe I don't know what I'm going through. I'm like, uh, do you, do you? <laughs> That's the actor side of me. Yeah, right. But as I was saying on the podcast and to you in real life, that uh, my, my therapist says that this is progress. <laughs> 
It, well, it is. You're allowing yourself to feel. That's always progress. Speaking, yeah, speaking of trauma, I was like, um, but you know, before we get into it, we ask every guest the same question. We say single or in a relationship. Relationship. How long? I think it'd be different if you ask each of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a bit in my stand-up. I have this thing where like, oh, as a grown-up, there are really three anniversaries. Your first date, when you became official, and when he thinks you became official. Exactly. There's exactly. always like a gap. I mean, I guess we started dating. Uh, it's interesting because we don't really sit there and count. Uh, it's probably about three years now. Whoa, yeah. fuck off. Three years? I know. Fuck off. Fuck. Damn. That's a tough number to, for me to swallow. <laughs> it is. No, it is. I mean, this is a good podcast to talk about it because like, I, uh, it's always weird for me, commitment in that way, not, not to be committed in a relationship, but just the idea that I'm committed to someone like, I know I like kind of rolling solo a lot, you know? So, yeah. No, I, I mean that, that's, uh, me, my whole life. So <laughs> I, I mean, I feel you. I mean, yeah. artists, we, we think like that's that brain too, you know? So. Sometimes I used to think of myself as just like a lone wolf. It was one of the reasons I actually got out of improv even because like I loved improv, but I was just like, I can't like be totally relying on everyone else when I don't feel like everybody's at the same place that you're at about like commitment or whatever. I'm just like, fuck this shit. I'm just going to go by myself. And then I was like, stand up is great for that. It I is. can't blame anybody else but me. Yeah. You blame everyone and you get all the credit to them. And that's a beautiful. Yeah. Improv is an interesting thing because I started doing improv and uh, what weird people it attracts. And I mean, I'm weird. So I'm not trying to act like I'm weird. Okay. You're weird. We're weird. But like some of the people I'm like, uh, all these people suddenly got way too much confidence. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Like, like yeah. I, I'm glad you're confident in who you are, but you got too much, Tony. Like, calm yourself, all right? Yeah, just because you learn yes and don't mean you the shit. Like, relax. Well, my beef used to be that everybody wanted to be the star, and mm. I get it, but it's also like, that's not moving the scene forward. And sometimes people just perform to perform, but they weren't saying anything. So you're like, okay, well... And so I would kind of quietly be the support person. I'd stay in the back and then I'd just jump in and be like, boom. And then. Hey, that's a good out. saying for people in life, how they live life. They perform to perform, but they're not saying anything. I like that. Oh, yeah, it's true. Maybe we'll make that a, a quote meme for our kind of dating. Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Because that's like, aren't yeah. we all kind of doing that? We're all wearing this mask. We're performing around to aunties, uncles, to relationships, friends, agents, auditions. But it's not who we are. We're not saying shit, you know. But it's uh, that's kind of what Shakespeare says, right? Yep. Uh, that that we have like we play many parts in a lifetime, and we have our entrances and exits, and whole world's uh, a stage. Yeah, yeah. It's, all and, of it. and you know, it's so everyone gets it mentally, but the older you get, you're like, God, it is. I, it I is. mean, I can not even outside. I can play whoever I want. Yesterday we had like a, a book launch thing for my sister, all the uncles and aunties, and I can play that face easily. It's so easy to play oh. that card, right? And then I could be in like a more of a ratchet situation. I could play that too, you know? So it's just interesting how how we even put ourselves in a niche. Like we're all whole. We all have different parts. You know, some certain times you want to go meditate on a mountain and that's amazing. And that six hours later, you might want to go have a whiskey diet. You know what I mean? And both are okay. So. Yeah. And the thing is, it's it's also like we think we have to be the same. And truthfully, yes, there's some level of like, it's a balance, right? On on some level, you have to try to find a truthful place to function from at all times. But 
Yeah, we're slightly different with our parents than we are with a partner, than Mm -hmm. we are with uh, friends. Like, you know, some people get really weirded out about that. Like, you know, if you're dating somebody and they're like, oh, my God, they're so different around their (laughs) boss. I'm like, yeah, fuck. Of course you are. Like, you should be a little bit different. We also also, different people bring different parts of you out. Right. Mm -hmm. I have some really close friends that we connect very spiritually. So those are conversations we'll tend to have. I have other friends like, I can't vibe with them on that, but we just, I can go to a bar and watch the game for an hour or two and we have a blast. We'll watch the Lakers. I can only do that for a little bit, but that's the friend I want to do it with because it's fun to do it with them, right? All right, so I think that was my own judgment in the past. Like if certain people I couldn't connect with deeply, I was easy to cut them out of my life. But I was like, how is that serving me? That's not serving me. Because this person's still awesome to go to the gym with, or they're awesome to go do other things with. So utilize them for that. And that's you two can have fun doing that. Not everyone needs to connect with you at the deepest level always, right? So yeah, you're going to be, I'm different with a lot of people. Certain people is just like really, really, I'm not funny at all, at all. We're just having really, really you're deep not. conversation. I'm just, nah, exactly. <laughs> that's not how I'm connecting with that person. And other people, you know, it's just super light and we're just shooting the shit. It's so true. I know because you and I do comedy and uh, people just assume we must be on all the time. No, when you and, and I meet, we're not funny. Not at all. We're very <laughs> like, I mean, I literally cry. So yeah, exactly. So. Um, but, you know, we're talking about trauma today and it's it, it was interesting because, you know, we won't get into the nitty gritty of it, but you and I were friends for a long time. Uh, you know, one of the first people I met when I came here And I think we both had a little bit of a falling out for a brief period because um, uh, I think, and you explained it to me later where you were like, oh, you were processing some trauma. And I think yours triggered my former trauma. Yeah. And so we like collided and- Luckily, it wasn't like like an explosion. It was more of like space. And uh, yeah, it's cool that when you can come out on the other side to be better, you know? Yeah, no. And I appreciated, you know, like we, I mean, I feel like we were pretty cool after that anyways. We've seen each other at events before. Yeah, because like, I never had any, and... I never had any negative thought or feeling about you. About yeah. It. it was I mean, all I did about for me. a bit because you kind of triggered me. But... Yeah. It's because <laughs> no. I'm amazing. I'm a lot. Um, <laughs> but no, it, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, look, but that's also like that whole, uh, accountability right it's like mm-hmm. a part of it's first recognizing what's triggering your trauma and the other part is not don't blame the person who triggered the trauma blame the source right and that takes yeah. a lot of work because usually in setting that you i'm sure you deal with this in personal relationships friendships where people will start playing the blame game for how they feel and it's like well you can't blame this person for what your ex-boyfriend did to you five years ago. Like that, how is this person responsible for your old baggage? It's not fair to that individual either, right? So it just takes a lot of work to get past that. And then I'm still, I mean, I still get triggered by, I mean, we all do. And I I don't always act in ways that I wish I have. I just, I'm just faster of responding like, ah, shit, I fucked up on that. I, I just did said something five minutes ago. I shouldn't have said, I got to apologize, you know? So let me ask you, as as you reflect back, um, having done a lot of personal work over the years on your trauma, myself included, um, what, how, when you look back, did your trauma manifest in, especially relationships, you know, like, 
I think a lot of people are out on dates and and it's a very you know there's a yeah. simple quote which says hurt people hurt people. people yeah and uh and sometimes it's like i mean i've been on dates where you can tell like especially negging also is like a good example where like a guy uh tries to get you by putting you down first and um and i think it was like an mtv show made it very famous um, where I forget the show's name. Let's not even give it any credit because it's terrible. Yeah. Like, but it yeah. was um it was like the art of the pickup or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, I remember. And I just, pickup like, artist or something. And in it, they the guy kept promoting negging, and so guys fucking got the worst advice in the world and went out and they're starting to like put girls down to be like, haha, like I like you. It's like, what is this elementary school? Like, no, bitch. Um, completely and- validating like. It's it's almost it's it's malicious in a way. Yeah. You know, it's not, and so, it's but like, then when somebody says that to you or does that to you, then you get triggered by whatever else, right? It's like my parents when I was seven used to fucking put me down, and like now you're triggered and you're fighting back, and this right. date that didn't need to go that way um, just becomes like trauma talking. I get so, you like, on that. Have you have you have you ever? Like when you look back, go, oh, yeah, I remember instances in either relationships or or generally that your trauma was sort of. Well, I think, OK, so just to keep it real, I feel like just like having abandonment issues, you know, I don't like saying the word issues anymore. because I was talking to someone and he helped me. He's like, you know, the more you say issue, keep issuing it to yourself. So mm. stop with that dialogue inside because it's no longer issued to you. That's who you're overcoming. And that that kind of hit me. I was like, you know what? You're right. That that narrative that I even in my head is limiting me from really, really continuing to overcome it. So I was like, okay. But just for for uh, for conversation's sake, yeah, just have, go, experiencing that abandonment as a child, really young, and not really in, embedded in my subconscious mind, because I was like eight months old when I was sent to India. So I literally went from like breastfeeding to not seeing my mom for three and a half years, which is pretty wow. traumatic for a child. And that's impacted me. So I, I guess from the, to answer your question from the dating scene, it was, it made me... I, I, how would I put it? I, I, I just, it made me have game, right? It, it made me have game because, and I, I don't really say that with pride. I used to, not anymore, but it's like, if you're funny and it's stuff, I kind of use it as a, a weapon in a way, right? So I was like, okay, I can be funny. I can be charming and I can get this individual because I know I have that skill set, but it wasn't, re- I wasn't really connecting with them or I wouldn't, you know, I wasn't like disrespecting or harming them. I wasn't crossing those lines, but I, my intention wasn't as pure or even self-serving me to grow as it would be now. Right. Cause it was like, I got to get in, I got to swoop. I got to be in control because I don't want to get hurt. Right. And so if there's that le- sense of vulnerability and I get hurt by this woman, it's just going to trigger the pain that I had for my own mother. And I'm good on that. So it was always like a protective shield. So if I was dating someone, I got, it was just like constant dating. And if I wasn't dating, I just didn't care. Just hang out with my friends. I also wasn't like obsessed. So I, I I definitely had a problem. I think it was my addiction. So some people like a pill, some people like drugs. I just never did any of that stuff really. That didn't owe me. But if I was super sad, I'd be like, let me go on a date. Let me go hang hang out. Right. So it was still an it was still an escapism, right? It was still a distraction for my own my own shit. And how many people do that? Like that's so relatable, right? That Anytime any of us, like before uh, my relationship, I know those times where uh, I would, like the second you're down, you re-download your dating app and you right. swipe. 
Yeah. And so how many people just end up swiping and then they're like, oh, I guess here's this cute person. Let me talk to them. And then you've ended up going on a date, but clearly you're not ready. You just were window shopping in the beginning. But then you were kind of like, oh, this looks kind of pretty. Like, let me let, let me go try it on. But yeah. you go into the fitting room and you try it on. You're like, oh, wait, I don't actually have the money to buy this. <laughs> like, I, you know, and, um, and, and that's so that's like where your trauma starts getting. Mm -hmm. It's just just distraction. Yeah. We're always distracting. And I realize how I distract, you know what? Like I, and you you may relate to this. I love music. We, I mean, most people love music and connect some way, right? It's just frequency and energy. So I realized sometimes throughout the day, I was like, I have my headphones with music on a lot. So am I trying to avoid silence? And even if it's like peaceful music, even meditation music, right? It was still like, hmm. So then I, for a while, started driving without music on, different experience, because I was actually paying attention to the road, the trees. Um, what helps me be present more is I try to pay, really pay attention to my surroundings. So if I'm walking my dog in my parents' neighborhood, I'll pay attention to the color of the homes, the driveway, someone's done reconstruction. I like really pay attention to my surroundings. I, I want to remember almost, you know, like if I'm trying to keep a, like a photogenic memory, because I can't be out... You know, of course, we all go walking. We don't see a damn thing. We're in our heads, right? And or so, on the phone. Yeah, on your phone, exactly, or whatever it may be, or even listen to music, which is great sometimes. But sometimes I'm like, you know what? So I try to, when I walk her, and especially three times a day, I, I don't take my headphones. I don't take my phone, nothing. It's just me and her. I want to hear my footsteps. I pay attention. That, that calms me a lot. And that's helped me from being distracted. But I guess for like going back to like the dating thing, yeah. And right now it's kind of gotten... And look, I have friends that have met on Tinder and got married. So I'm not hating on it. I'm not hating on any of it. I don't, I think it's an awesome ability to connect with people you normally wouldn't, but it's really the way we use it is a problem, right? I would say most things are user error. You know what I mean? So like, don't blame Facebook. Of course, look, everything's dual perspective. Society has to take some accountability, right? The way they design these algorithms to be addicting and the way they promote things and how they really promote like uh, commotion you know, and they, and they propose vulgarity and anger. I don't agree with that. But at the same time, we have to take individual accountability and be like, you know what? Got to turn the phone off right now. You know? So I always say everything's life dual, right? So like, I guess with the dating thing too, it's like we get triggered. So you can't put your trigger on other people, you know, put, put the trauma on other people. But at the same time, the other individual should, should have some empathy and hold space knowing that, Hey, you know, this person's been through that. So I don't need to constantly try to poke, right? It's, it's a dual thing. From the dating I think it's just, a, I think it's the hardest though in the beginning of a relationship, right? Like if you're going on a mm. first date, nobody knows anything about yeah. anybody. So they don't know, nor necessarily do I think it's their responsibility to hold you in that moment or any of us. That's what I mean. Like, I don't think it would be anybody else's responsibility in that moment. Do Yes, there's a level of like, we can be compassionate and, mm-hmm. and empathetic, but I also just don't blame people in the human aspect of you don't know anybody and you don't know what's triggering yeah, them. And a lot yeah. of people don't talk. Like if, if you and I had gone on a date and I didn't know that you had abandonment issues, something I might've said or whatever triggered you, yep. I wouldn't know. I would just be like, this guy's a fucking nutbag. You know? <laughs> yeah, and exactly. That's how, that's how people walk away. How many of our friends come back and they're like, this guy, or this person is fucking nuts. Um, but how and many people, we, how many people try not to bring as much baggage to the relationship too? That's another part of it. Right. It's just like, you were just cheated on your heart's broken. Next week you're on a date. Like, well, what are you doing? Cause you never heal. And now the baggage you're bringing to the relationship, even if this person's awesome, it's not fair to them. 
And I think yeah. we've really romanticized relationships where this person's going to come in in this knight in shining ar- armor and like save you or same with the girl. I'm not trying to make it like either sex. It doesn't matter. No one else is going to save you. Right. And so, and we've really romanticized that. And I think that really hurts people like, well, he doesn't, if you want me, I hate that quote. If you want me at my best, you have to deal with me at my worst. And it's like, I get that. I understand what you're saying. Cause we all have ups and downs and that's a part of a relationship, but a lot of people use it as an excuse to act like an asshole. And, and then you act like an asshole and you go, well, if you love me, you've got to deal with that part. No, no, actually I don't. No. There are boundaries. No, I actually, I very yeah. much agree with that is like, um, at the core, we have to always be true to ourselves first and, and our boundaries before we can just let a, a, other people be themselves. The unconditional love has to start with you and then you can pass that on to others. Um, no, I, I have such a torrid history of being the person who uh, for years was just trauma, trauma, trauma. You know, um, everybody on the podcast at this point has heard the story of uh, I was in an abusive relationship. Yeah, I and remember after that, that um, everybody I dealt with and and it was it manifested in so many ways. It manifested, I think, in the bigger way where. Um, I dated really lovely people and they just kept trying to fix And you me. ate them they, alive. <laughs> I did. I, I did. As in like, there was one guy who was so lovely and he just kept wanting to know what happened. And he, he thought like the longer we talk and had four hour conversations, he would get it out of me. And I was like, bitch, I don't, I just want to fuck. Like, yeah. I don't want to talk to talk you. Talk about all this stuff. Yeah. About stuff. Like, cause I wasn't ready. I, I, and of course that's me now looking back going emotionally, I couldn't relive it that soon. And but this person thought that this was a rom com and he was going to come in and fix me. And and I would be like, oh, I and then, well, he figured if I if I do something to fix this person, then they'll be attached to me and therefore yes. I'll have control. Right. Yeah. It also goes. So there was, sorry, go ahead. Now, I said sometimes even the best of intentions. I don't know this guy. So I, I by no means am I trying to to project anything. But I'm saying sometimes people go into fix it position because it gives them a sense of control. Because I say that because I used to do that. I still battle that. Because I battle the fine line of, I genuinely love helping people. And the more work, self-work I've done, I'm like, that's a big part of why I like, how I like connect. I mean, as human beings, that's what we're here. We're here to like lift each other up, you know, really. And um, so I do enjoy that. But then a part of me kind of goes, okay, dude, like you're not some savior. You're in no position to be. You have your own shit, like stop. And uh, certain times I realized the best thing I could do in a situation is not say anything at all. And that's hard and that's, for me. Yeah. And that's actually a really good example, again, of how trauma manifests, right? Not in the the traditional way of being combative, yeah. but sometimes codependency is a way of your trauma speaking, yeah. which yeah. is a codependency for people who don't know is sort of this idea of you will you will put all of your attention on somebody else to avoid your own problems. Right. And, and so many of us become fixits or fixers. And, uh, I, I was like that, you know, I mean, I think women, uh, without making a huge generalization, but I think in this case we can is, uh, women tend to be, uh, more, uh, you know, we, we hear more stories of women falling for the broken bird 
you know, wanting to fix the 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 one with the broken wing. And you're you're always like notorious for that. So like there are so many different ways that trauma manifests. Yeah, that's also um, the narration we've told in society that uh, we've really screwed that, you know, just this idea of men and we can completely have propelled women to think they're, they aren't whole themselves, you know, like from kids, when, when girls are so young, I mean, I don't remember ever anyone talking about my wedding, uh, you know, when I was young, no one talked about, you know, when you're wedding, but to girls, we do it all the time, you know, and it's like, so there's so much pressure, unfortunately, in this idea of like, you're not complete. So then you settle in a way, you know, and I use that lightly because that means different things, a different view, but you settle with something that might not be in your best interest because you're like, I'll fix this person because it's this, even this, and this is the saddest part, even this abusive relationship is an upgrade from not having a partner, right? Yeah. And that, and men do it all the time. I've done it. So like, and I still sometimes am guilty of it. Even in my current relationship, I'll, I'll have to take a step back. I'm like, and I, we, we talk about this. I, I constantly have to re-engage on like, is this right for me on a daily basis? Every day. And it has nothing to do with the other individual. It's because it can get comfortable. You know this. It can get comfortable. Yeah. And then then you let things slide that are may not be in your health and your best interest. And you might be doing things that's not healthy for the other individual, but they're letting it go because there's comfortability and there's love and all that stuff. But I'm like, yo, I've done this shit in the past where it got so comfortable and then shit explodes. And I, I don't want to repeat that pattern, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, I don't know again, if you have felt this, but, uh, jadedness is also a, a really solid way, I think for, for that's LA, manifest. but yeah, <laughs> it's that's all over. Limit, I'm telling you yeah, yeah, all over. I mean, I have friends from all over the world and people feel this and, and I again was, you know, the classic example of it. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, women, uh, the, the, sometimes the way that manifests for us is things like, um, we've talked about it on the podcast of chivalry. Like some mm. of us, like I was never good at somebody opening the door for me or carrying my bag or something. I was like, fuck you. I could do it myself. Now, you know, with, awareness and more security i'm like oh i know i can do it but you can hold it <laughs> sure, Which is, i think door. i think a part of your defense mechanism when we met was you were deeper into your own masculine energy because it gave you a sense of control so you kind of avoided that but like last time we met i was like huh it's interesting you because men and women we both have masculine feminine traits right energies right regardless of our sex and like for you i was like last time we ate i was like oh okay there was like a softness to you finally like yeah, there's more yeah. of a balance yeah, I think it's a balance and it's always um uh you know there are there are times that I think women especially channel the the sort of what you would call a masculine energy to protect ourselves Absolutely. Um, because people are constantly pushing our boundaries and and that's how I felt. That was my trauma. It was always people pushing my boundaries. And so so it it was like I used to be super sweet, like so sweet to a point that growing up, my parents were like, oh, this kid is going to get eaten alive because if somebody told me at school, I mean, this is high school. This is my teens. If anybody said I was hungry, they were hungry, I would give them my lunch money. So I didn't eat. And and then everybody else. And so there was a point my That's parents That's what I'm going to say to you next time we meet. I'm like, I'm yeah. so I still so do. Hungry. If you did it, 
I am telling you, it's like my <laughs> Achilles heel. I don't know what I did karmically in my last life, yeah. but I am telling you, I have a thing about it. Calm and down, so, Mother Teresa. We get it. Yeah. We, we get it. We know. All right. We get it. No, now, now, I don't know. But um, but no, it's it's there's so many different ways. I'm I'm saying all these examples so that people can kind of hear it and and maybe feel like, oh yeah, this is how yeah. it does for me. Um Russell Peters was on the show. Yeah. Uh, you know, he tells a very funny story of how um, he and I went on like two dates maybe. And I don't even remember this. And then he re- he reminded me on the podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what happened. Which is I had just gotten out of my abusive relationship. And I think Russell, I it must have been, it was less than like six months, I think. Right. Yeah. So I was really not in a great place. No. And, uh, and, and Russell invited me out and we went out on a couple dates and, and, uh, I didn't realize the entire time I was talking about the ex and what happened in that relationship. And I was like, no, Russell, I didn't do that. And then when he told me, he like, literally, he's like, no, he was this ethnicity, this, I was like, that's hilarious. What year was that? Forever ago. That was before. Oh, because I remember one time, I think it was 2015. Yeah. When you came out that one time downtown and we're just supposed to hang and catch up. It's been a long time. And then you were going through something because I was like, wow, she's very. Oh, yeah. 2015. I was I was dating somebody that I call on the podcast, Bruce Lee. Oh, okay. who wasn't Bruce Lee, guys, obviously Bruce Lee. But I'm like, damn, Natasha alive. has a very easy time crying at Yard House. I don't know what it is yes. about you. <laughs> <laughs> and that person, it was also a very toxic relationship. Yeah. And that person triggered all the old stuff from the abusive relationship. So I was a very triggered at that time, for sure. But um, it's honestly only been, I would say, in the last few years that I've really worked to, to get it to a point where... I can talk about things and I don't feel any kind of... No, I can I can see that. You should be proud of yourself. It takes, that takes a lot of work. Yeah. You know, I, I realized too is that one of my things, and I'm realizing even now, I'm like, huh, is that since I like to help a lot when I do care about someone, I, I give, 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 give. I give so much. Mm-hmm. Then eventually I kind of go, oh, I feel exhausted, right? And I do, I've done this for a lot. And look, for, I've had to end friendships knowing that I had a hand in it, obviously. It takes two to tango. So I was like, at a, at eventually, I'd be like, I can't do this, man. I'm just so taken advantage of in a way as like, energetically. I'm not a t- type of person that says, I buy you dinner, so you buy me dinner. Life doesn't really work that way. But it's like, I give some energy, you give some energy, and that's how all relationships work. You're giving and you're getting in some way or shape or form, right? So, so some of my friendships, I realized I just give, 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 give. And then I wasn't getting anything in return. And just my body, mentally, I just felt exhausted, right? And then eventually got to the point where the relationships had to end, you know? And then I used to Mm -hmm. sit back. And before I used to have a lot of resentment, I was like, dude, you're the one who didn't set boundaries and let it get there. Like, you got to take some accountability, right? Like, not just the other person took what you gave. You mad at that? Like, you know, at a certain point, you have to be like, I I just have better boundaries. I still struggle with that, actually. I, I found myself exhausted a lot. I, I, I that's like one thing I need to kind of work through in a healthier. Yeah, because I think when uh, when you and I uh, grabbed a like uh, when I say a drink, it was like tea. Um, well, first of all, I had tea. You had. Yes, you, why saying. don't you tell everyone what you had? 
I had a Nutella crepe, guys. Exactly. It you was amazing hard, with look, bananas look, and Natasha strawberry. goes hard, guys. She's the thug. Like she, she can, she can dig in. I eat yeah. um, when I when you. Uh, but no, you, uh, you were you got pulled away because one of your friends required your attention, <sighs> um, and so because your that's friend. A, that's okay. a good example. Yeah, yeah. One of my close friends, obviously not going to say any name or anything, no, but he's okay. just kind of mental health stuff and like been worried about this guy for years i'm like you know i hope he doesn't hurt himself and you're there you're there you're there and you find yourself exhausted and just like i said you know what i got a text the next day sorry just had a little spill out i'm all good bro and you're like 10 years of this right yeah. so similarly yeah but luckily i've been able to draw my boundaries because i didn't just mm-hmm. leave and go straight to the person's home because i've been in this situation where it's i know the repetitive pattern mm-hmm. but you know. Yeah, I I mean, there's definitely two ends of of trauma, right? There is uh, the experience of it, there mm-hmm. where you are feeling it. There is when somebody else is projecting their trauma onto you, and then I I do believe the solution a lot of times is because we don't control others is to only look at yourself and go, what, how, how did my either, uh, too much boundaries or lack of boundaries make this situation worse? Cause what you're saying is a tough pill for people to swallow who are listening where you're saying just because I let you, or, or, uh, just because you gave me a finger and I took your hand, it's not my fault. It's your fault for letting me do it. Yeah. And that's a hard pill to swallow, yeah. but as somebody who can speak from the other side of being the abused, I know that that's the truth. Yeah. Is like when I did therapy, I had to really learn that there was no amount of me going, well this person should fix himself because I tried. I spent a year trying to fix this person's trauma. What was wrong with them? And and find like maybe I'll love them to to happiness, you know? Um, but it wasn't happening. And eventually I had to go, like, once I came out of the situation, I looked back and I was like, whoa, 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 what, how did I get here? And I got here because, yes, my trauma was triggered, but also I let this person do this to me. There were more than one opportunity for me to set a boundary. And I had to learn the hard lesson that, oh my God, I had no boundaries. Yeah. Um, and, and then, it, it's never, and that's never, and I think sometimes just to interrupt real quick, but sometimes people take what you just said as a way of not taking away accountability from that other person for doing that. And that's not, the other person's no. still very accountable for their behavior towards you. It's just what, what can you do for you to empower yourself? Right. Because staying in that victim mentality is not going to be in your best case scenario in, anyway. Right. And you're not always going to get closure. Like that situation yeah. taught me so much about relationships. It's obviously the, the let's say the word trigger. Yeah. It's the trigger for this podcast. Um, but it really was this like, when I came out of it, this is abuse. I couldn't go back and make him say sorry because it was an unsafe situation. So there was never closure around you just had it. To, you I, had to let it go. I had to eventually, exactly, let it go and then go, how do I make sure I never get in this situation again? And that's where the work came and and doing all of that. And sometimes 
we go to the opposite extreme. So in the, I started with no boundaries at all. Then I went to extreme boundaries. And then now I'm sort of somewhere in the middle where if somebody does try to push me, usually I'll say 98% of the time, I can like very calmly be like, or not, you know, and like not make it a thing. Um, and like still set my boundaries in like a, a calm way. Um, there's once in a, you know, now I'll say like the, the times I have lost it have been with my family. It's been with my dad and brother and like, that's it. And, and once I lost it with them last year with my brother, um, I was like, nope, never again. And now I've just made a mental thing where I'm like, nope. Now I, I know what that trigger was and, and you learn the tools, right? Like you feel you have these tools. Yeah. It's just like you have, you, I have, my tool belts continue to increase and I hope it's, I still need to increase it a lot, but I don't always use them, you know? And that's where like your ego comes in. And sometimes I guess, uh, for me, it's patience. I don't always have a lot of patience with myself, you know, and that's kind of a self-love thing too, but I am, I, I, I love pushing myself to the limit. You know, I'm kind of a masochist in that way. It's like, I, I want to throw up. I'm still going to go to the gym. If I love to eat that, I'm still going to restrict myself. Like, I just always am pretty militaristic, to be honest. And it took me a while to understand, like, most people don't function like you, bro. Like, they just don't. For me, it's like if someone came to me and said, hey, you can't eat pizza the rest of the year. I'd be like, okay. I just don't think about it. Done. Not going to do it. Like, it's just not a big deal to me. It's just like, so to me, when people like get too in their heads about small things, what I consider small, I'm just like, shut up, like get over it, you know, but that wasn't serving me either. So it's like, I've had to learn to be more empathetic to people functioning in different ways. And, you know, and everything comes at their own pace, you know, mine's my, at my pace. Everyone does things at their own pace. And that takes a lot of understanding and empathy and that you, um, you don't always vibe with everyone, you know, and you have to be okay with that. You know, I was the type of person who always tried to vibe with everybody. I wanted to make everyone feel safe around me. And like, I still want people to feel safe around me, but at the same time, it's like, I really hang out with like five people, you know, I love everyone. And people see a lot of people at least see me as a super social person and knows a lot of people. I'm like, yeah, I know a lot of people, but they're all acquaintances to be honest. And I'm, that's okay. That's not, being condescending, you know, you're not going to be super close to everybody. That's okay. But I have a lot of acquaintances and, and, you know, distant friends and I've, that's not a bad thing. I don't know why I used to think it was a bad thing. You know, like we got to be closer, Mm -hmm. have to be closer. You know, it's like, nah, you know, you can meet this person once a year, whatever, you know, that's okay. That's your relationship. We we just don't have infinite amount of energy. We have a finite. We're also getting a little older. (laughs) Like, I don't know about you, bitch. I am not getting older. I'm like, I'm like, I'm still youthful. No, I'll be so youthful, all that stuff. But like in internal energy, I'm like, I don't got time for this shit. Like, I just, I'm good. Like, uh, hang out with you or watch Netflix squid games. I'll watch squid game. I'll watch squid games. You know, that's what I'm doing today. It's like a rainy day here in Toronto and sitting around and watching squid games. It's so don't tell me what happens. I'm on episode three. Okay. I'm, I'm on the season finale. I got to watch it. Oh, so, because I'm at home. I was trying to watch it. My dad has closed caption and he has everything English dubbed. I will not disrespect a show and take away the actor's voice. I don't do that. I hate that. Yeah. So no. I, I know though it's hard for some people to follow along. No, I do. It's a lot. Too yeah. bad. This is this one. I'm working on this. Too bad. 
<laughs> That's part of the actor's uh, instrument. I'm going to respect it. It's true. It's true. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you mentioned something about a tool belt and, yeah. and you have sort of a toolkit that you use when you are experiencing something. What are some of those things? Or what, what are some of the ways that you, what, what helped you to get over? And you know, we never really get over. What made you kind of get hold of your trauma so it is not holding you? One is, I think it takes work to even figure out what it is, you know? And that takes a lot of work. And especially, you know, people say childhood trauma. I mean, a lot of, most of the stuff stems from that. Of course, you can experience severe trauma any time in your life. But those tend to be easier things to kind of, that's an inflection point that's easier to find. It's harder to sometimes find stuff from when you're really young. You don't even realize you have repressed memories and things that have happened with parents or family or friends when you're five and under, you know? And that takes a lot of work. It took me a lot of work to realize, oh my God, that one experience was literally expressing itself in all my behavior. And it was expressing my need for validation and why I got, I was always a class clown because of a way, my, way to garner attention because I felt like I wasn't good enough when you know, you felt like you weren't chosen or you were sent away. You're like, all right, I'll show you how worthy I am. I'll show you. And it made me a good performer because the world was my oyster. If we had a family party, I knew how to get attention. You know, it was, if it was a class party, if I was in school, I got all the attention because I knew how to, so it made me good at my craft, but, uh, it's obviously hurt me in many ways. Right. And so relationships, all that type of stuff. So I think there came a certain point. It was like 2016, 2017, where I was like, wow, life's pretty good. You know, life's pretty good and I'm not happy. So what's going on? I had a friend took me to this uh, new yoga place that had opened and it wasn't a typical yoga place. They had like Kundalini yoga and breath work and and a lot of deeper things that I think I need to do. Cause I already had a meditative practice for like eight, nine years. So I need, I needed something deeper. So it was just just right time because I think some of the stuff that I started doing, if you did without a meditative practice, you're not ready. You need to have that level of energy within you. But I was doing like a lot of deep breath work. Like, this sounds so LA when I say this chakra aligning. Um, but, you know, just, just really understanding like where I'm storing energy throughout my body and why it gets stuck in certain places. And Kundalini yoga for me was great. I don't suggest it for everyone it can really hurt you if you're not ready either. So, but it, it's, it's that, that spinal energy up and all these things that was very ethereal for me. And I was like, Oh, wow. This is like my true source of life and energy. It's outside of my head. And, uh, it was all about creating a healthier relationship with my ego, like everything in life. It's either you use it or it uses you. You got to figure out what it is. Right. So like most of us in life, our egos using us and, you have to have an ego. Ego is a sense of self. If I had no ego, I'd be hungry and I'd feed you. That wouldn't work. I have to have a sense of self for protection and preservation, right? So when people say ego is evil, that's that's like saying sugar is evil. No, it's because you don't know how to handle it. Don't call it evil because you don't know how to handle it. But I had to understand that. I'm like, wow, I'm really just connected to everyone. And I had just like some deep experiences where it was just like, I, I felt like I remember when I chose my body. I mean, it kind of sounds outside, but I was like, oh, wow, this is just like this shell. I don't really care. I'm not really attached to it. Like I was as a kid, you know, but I'm going to take care of it. So all those things. And if you're starting to have those types of experiences, the stuff we're talking about seems so menial, like it, 
it's like, this is obvious. This is the stuff I was focusing on. This is the stuff that was angering me. And this is how these are the little things that I wasn't allowing myself to love this person, you know, or love this friend or, you know, so it got me over like trivial bullshit. But then it also had the opposing effect for me. You know, there's always opposing sides because when you when you increase your tool belt and other people haven't done that work yet, you start becoming judgmental a little bit. I did. I'll speak for myself. So I also had to like harness that too. You know, like if this problem is seems so stupid to you, but it's real to them and that's their experience. So I can't not validate it because that's not serving it either. So that's still I'm still working through that. You know, because sometimes I'm just like, shut the, you know, I, I'm just keeping it real. I'm just like, shut the, stop. That's stupid. Like, get over it. Let's be quiet. But that's not going to serve anybody. But then you'll be like, oh, yeah, this is what you're on. But it's like, yeah, I've been there and I might go back there. I don't know. So I guess it's all those types of tools to wake up and have more gratitude for life and then meditate for sure. Just like set the day. Like these are simple things we all hear about, but in practice, they help a lot. Just like eat healthier if you're trying to lose weight everyone hears it, but if you actually do it, you start seeing results, right? So it's the same thing with your spiritual health. But I, I'd say I, I'll end it with this. I think the hardest thing to do with spiritual work, why, it's, uh, why it scares people a lot is because usually the answer is it's all on you. And if, you've used, if you're used to living life, blaming the world, the government, the president, your parents, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your job, your manager, this ain't for you. And that's why people leave. Because when you start closing your eyes and you turn your mind off, you figure out, wow, I'm the source of everything in a way. It doesn't mean when people do things to you, you're not responsible. You are responsible for healing it or handling it, right? Like I always say, just because you're not responsible does not mean you're not accountable, right? Right. Like if you're managing a pizza hut and your employees steal something, you didn't steal it, but you're the manager. So you're accountable for what they do. That's life, right? Like things are going to happen that may be out of your control, but in the end, you're accountable for that situation and how it impacts you and how you take it through the world. And like, that takes a lot of, you got to set your ego aside. That's not easy to take. That's a hard punch to take when you're used to pointing fingers all day, you know? No, amen. I mean, that is, that is the truth. Uh, We've said it on the podcast. It's not obviously my quote. I'm pretty sure it's some like Zen quote in life, but it's uh, basically just that the only constant in life um, is change, and the only other constant is you. Yeah. You are the 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 through line of your own life, and everybody else comes and goes. But um, you know, we can't always keep blaming others at some point when we find ourselves in the same patterns over and over and over again, especially in relationships, mm -hmm. we have to go what action or inaction is leading to that. Um, and it's true what you said, you know, like this idea where uh, when you have done the work and others haven't, it's hard not to go, I mean, come on, that's nothing. That's nothing. You know, um, uh, obviously doing this podcast for five years, um, a lot of the the messages and things I hear, I'm I'm always reminding myself to like be empathetic. Um, not that I, th I think anything is silly, but just this idea of like, I'm like, oh no, the solution's right there. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to like, even when I get messages now, um, if somebody actually gets me on like DM and I happen to be there to be, you know, able to respond to them, I usually ask, are you looking to vent or are you actually looking for like some real talk? Yeah, I like that. Advice? That that's really and then smart. I, 
Yeah, because yeah. like now I've learned like not to just say things to people because a lot of times people don't want something to change. They just want to vent. Um, and That's I'm not tough here. for me though. And I need to improve on that. I don't, because to me it's like, if you're not talking, if you don't want any, like you don't want to go back and forth or there's no idea of change or transformation here, then it, that irritates the hell out of me. And I'm not, I'm does, not saying I'm but, right, but I get annoyed. But one, one way I try to look at it is to go, my job isn't to solve the problem. Maybe my job is just to plant the seed and and let that seed grow within them in whatever way. I mean, when we do this podcast again, it's 201 episodes to 202 with yours. Hey. Um, ideally, if people were listening to this, their relationship problems should be solved. <laughs> no, really. Like, I'm pretty sure every episode My relationship problem said, should be solved. You know, it's just not that simple, you know? Like, I have them too all the time. It's, yeah. All of the lessons in here are pretty consistent throughout, you know, I can probably name like 10 big lessons that are, that get carried through all relationships, but obviously we're still an ongoing podcast, you know, because none of us are perfect and we're human and we're having a human experience. And so a human experience means it's a journey and we go up and down and we, we get things right. And then sometimes we slip again and then we have to try again. And it's like a constant process. Well, well you and, know what's so funny is everyone involved at the highest level on your podcast, no one would be dating anyone. It's because true. because that's just karma. Like, why would you inherit that karma of, of tying yourself energetically to any other human being? You don't need a soulmate. Your soul's complete as it is. It's like we're searching yeah. for a physical mate, a mental mate, an emotional mate, not a soulmate. So, yeah. like, you know what I mean? So it's like if we if if we all did the work, self work to that level, we'd be little Buddhas running around by ourselves, not wanting anything material. But like, that's not where we're all at yet, you know. So we're we're deciding to live in the reverence. I truly don't believe we're supposed to be. I no. think we're all supposed to be at different levels. Next and- lifetime, Natasha. All right, please. Maybe in the next lifetime, if it all goes well, we're past it. I'll be, no, I'll be um, in a different planet. I'm down. I am definitely not. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, but I do think. You know, do you see a difference in your old relationships to the one you have now where you are um, seemingly more aware? I don't think any of us are fixed. I think we, oh. we just become more aware. I do become more. That- yeah, I guess I'm more aware. I, I've had, I'd be honest, my ex-girlfriend from like a high school sweetheart and stuff. I'm like, no, she saw the shit version of me. Holy shit. I still, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like. I was way more angry and like I would unleash all the time. And now looking back, I'm going, man, you sucked. Like you sucked. I mean, she wasn't perfect either, but I'm just taking kind of believe for myself. I'm like, damn, dude, like that was a lot. Look, I'm an, you have to also take into account, like we're all different people. I'm an intense person. I have a lot of energy. I'm an incredibly intense, fiery guy. And that's great for performance. That's great to do what we, you and I do. Uh, I mean, you know, you're similar too. you have a lot of energy, you're an intense individual, but that's also, um, that can, that, you know, like your strength hurts you too. Right. And in, in relationships, I, it can be kind of imposing at times. And if I get really comfortable and sometimes the way I express my love is trying to constantly help be better, but that's not what your partner needs. Sometimes your partner just needs you to hold space to be them. You know, they don't need you to fix them. And the last, usually partners don't want the other partner to be the one that's trying to fix them, you know, you know? And then of course also relationships are hard because it's, you're going to get triggered. You do end up mirroring, you know, they're holding a mirror to your own shit, 
right? That's what, what attracted them in a certain place. So you attract the same energy in a way, right? So yeah, I, I guess that's that's the biggest difference I've seen is uh, it, even when I behave in ways I feel like I need to improve on, I have more aware awareness of it. I don't let it continue to be blind to it for years like I was in the past. You know, I can kind of go, damn, you know what I did yesterday? I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I can kind of just take a step back pretty quick. I can respond instead of react. I still react at times. Don't get me wrong. You know, like I'm still a human being, but I think the best improvement I have is I can reflect quite quickly, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's, and that is the process of growth that we're talking about. And it's all, it's possible. And uh, again, none of us are ever uh, probably going to be fully fixed. Otherwise we would become Buddha in this lifetime. You wouldn't be born then. Exactly. And so it's just this idea of getting to a place and, and we can where the trauma is not like bleeding through you onto the carpet and everything around you. You know, it's, it's something that is a part of you. It's a part of your life story, but it doesn't have to be a part of your life. Um, these yeah. are things that can have happened to us, but they are not who you are. Us. Yeah, it's it's like, uh, and that's the other thing with trauma. It's like, don't let the trauma um, inform your ego either. Because sometimes when we're in pain and sorrow, we start lo- disconnecting from others. And we think we're the only ones that are going through pain and sorrow. We're the only ones who have trauma. It's like, well, look, that's actually what's making you human. Like, that's what connects us all. We all have shit. All of it's valid. And um, you're not alone in it. And sometimes I've seen people with their trauma get on a high horse. You know, if you went through what I went through and you haven't been through, and it's like, whoa, 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 that's ignorant. You have no idea what anyone's went through. No, nothing. And so Mm -hmm. I think that's the first step of knowing like, hey, this is valid. What I feel is valid. And what I've been through has hurt me and I'll I'll validate it. At the same time, I'm not going to try to enforce on other people that somehow mine is worse. The comparing system that happens in our narrative about trauma is something that's really harmful, you know? And that's why they always, uh, you know, a lot of times when you are going through trauma, anxiety, depression, any of these mental health things, one of the reasons they uh, they really advocate being in nature mm-hmm. is because the second you go into nature, for example, if something I used to love is going to like overlooks or sunsets, um, but overlooks especially because I could see how small I was in comparison. I, don't to you the love world. that? I love it so much. I would look around and be like, whoa, this big? Like the world is this big? And then I'm looking down at every car and I'm going, man, there's a person in every car. And and again, like my brain is playing out like a scene in a movie where I'm just like zeroing in and uh, zooming in on these people and how you see the macro level and there's a giant universe and we're nothing in it. We're finding the significance you, in the insignificance, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. you zoom, 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 zoom into that little car with that one person. And to them, they're yeah. everything. Well, it's like my acting coach said it. He's like, you know, and this this will help me when I met people or saw people. He was just like, just remember that everyone's doing the best they can with what they know. And I was like, huh. And even if yeah. some people aren't, fine. But that's a good, that's been a healthier way for me to uh, live life. Everyone's doing the best they can with what they know in that moment. And also, yo, everyone's a lead in their own film and you just background. And so when you're talking about that person zooming in micro into being in their car, yeah, they're that lead character in their own film. And look, everyone's 
lives are film worthy. Everyone has an immense story and an arc and there's, in, there's in something interesting. Right. Um, and so I have to remember that I'm a lead my own film and it also doesn't matter, <laughs> but it does because <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm in it, but it also doesn't matter. And it's not more important than yours or anyone else's. It's just as equally important and equally as unimportant at the same time, you know? I, I mean, when you put it in like a movie context, uh, I just started thinking about, yeah, we are, every character has their own backstory. Um, every character can be independent of each other, right. but, but every character needs the interaction with something else within either within the story for the story to exist. So yeah. like a character in and of itself is nothing. But all of us play a part, whether some of us interact with each other ever in a scene or not, are telling the bigger picture of a story that just fucking came to me. That was kind of cool. That's good. Well, um, hey, hey, uh, I get story by credit. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I'm union. Thanks. Um, no, but yeah, that's true. It's like uh, that interaction is it, it, there, it creates something, right? And I always think about it like this. Think about this. Even someone you're standing behind in line at coffee. At, at like a, a Starbucks, for example, to get coffee. That moment right there where they're standing in line in front of you and they might look back at you and might just be like, hey, hi, you know, something that simple. Do you know the chances of that? Like all the people on the planet that have ever lived here over hundreds of thousands of years, you and this other individual were in the same spot at the same time in the same year, like right now, you know, like, so to me, I'm like, all that becomes a lot more, you become that value, you value the things that seem so like they don't matter, you know, it's yeah. like, what are the chances? Like, even that was our karma, as small as it must have been, is like, I had this five second interaction with this person. And what are the chances with 8 billion people on the planet at the same time, we're at the same place, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it really is. Uh, and uh that's a beautiful place, I think, to <laughs> wrap this episode. Okay. That's uh, going to get the fuck out of here. No, get out of here. You know, uh, <laughs> football Sunday, girl. I don't know what you do. You know, hockey and shit up there. But do you? I'm going to go watch Squid Games now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do it. Do it. So um, no, really, Pratish, this was a, a, a beautiful conversation. I'm so glad that we both moved past our uh, respective traumas. Um, and I'm really happy to see you grow uh, and I'm sh likewise, I'm sure for you. Um, I'm so happy to see you grow and I'm happy to hang out with you when you're not crying. Yes. Yes. Thank I'll you. I'll still Which, be there uh, if you need to cry. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying it's nice when you're eating a Nutella. Uh, <laughs> I kind of like crying now. It's kind of nice. It's like yeah. a nice little release. Um, but yeah, I promise to, to do it less when we're outside <laughs> at least, uh, uh, not embarrass you. It's all good. Um, but uh, thanks so much for being on the show. You're not totally done. We have something called six questions. Um, oh, before yeah. we jump into those uh, six questions, um, where can everyone find you? At uh, the Prithay Shah. And unlike Natasha, I'm easy. I'm not the complicated friend. It's at the Prithay Shah on everything. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everything. And the Invisible Brown Man, where can people see it? So right now, uh, the 15th through the 17th, we'll be at the Dallas-Fort Worth South Asian, South Asian Film Festival. I'll be there too. And then the weekend after the 22nd to the 25th, it'll be at the New York South Asian Film Festival. So if you're in those two cities, come check it out. And you can awesome. see the trailers on YouTube. Please, please check it out. Uh, please support Pratesh. He is, um, uh, all of the stuff will be in the description of this episode. So make sure you follow him. 
Patricia, are you ready for your six questions? Hit me, Natasha. Let's do right. this. It's like a rapid fire, so don't okay. overthink it. Okay. All right. Uh, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Sense of humor. What is one deal breaker? Uh, inauthenticity. Good one. Uh, what turns you on? Dirty dog. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. Give me that verbal, verbal lie. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what, what are one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships? Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Strength I know for sure is that I'm very reliable. I'm always there. Uh, my weaknesses, I can be overbearing. I, I mean it with love, but I'm overbearing at times. Yeah. Fair, fair. What is love? A state of being. You want to elaborate? I mean, I think love is, we've turned it into an action. Love is your state, like how you operate. Like you are love, you are in your love and you exude it, you know? I think people have turned it into such an interaction. That's not, just are you love or not? When Dalai Lama walks, you feel so much love just from his presence, right? So yeah, that's what I'm trying to work towards. I'm far away, but I'm trying to work <laughs> towards it. We're all a work in progress. Uh, last question. Besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? I want more. Okay. Get it. Get it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> uh, Pratish, thank you so much again for being on the show. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. Went by really fast. That, yeah, that was. We're not totally done. Can I have an extra outro here? You okay with that? Yeah, do the damn thing. All right. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. We are also on social media, so please make sure you follow us. We're at Kind of Dating Across the Board. Aisha, who is not here with us today, is at Aisha Says Dance. And as your complicated friend, I am at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, and Natasha Chandel Official on Facebook. All in the description of this episode. Once again, thank you so much for downloading this episode. Please tell a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Adam Pineless and Karina Uribe are producers. Our opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yannick and K. Daniel Ellis.